Word. All right. Well, look, we are here. Another episode. I'm Jordan. I'm joined by my boy, Pateri Reed. I never call him Pateri. I always call him PJ. But nah, um, definitely glad to have you here, man. Just for us to chop it up. Um, talk about, you know, your journey, um, where you are today. Um, and so, you know, with that, so just give us a little bit of insight and like, you know, introduce yourself. Who you are. Yeah, yeah. So people call me PJ uh, or Pateri. I won't disclose my middle name on air. But uh, yeah, uh, went to Wesleyan. That's where me and JB met. Uh, before that, went to Bergen Catholic. Uh, after I graduated Wesleyan, I got an internship. Well, during my time at Wesleyan, I got an internship at Bloomberg. Ended up accepting an offer from them. Worked for them for a couple of years. Did my MBA part-time uh, at Fordham University, Gabelli School of Business. And now I'm at uh, Alliance Bernstein uh, doing sales trading on Wall Street. So that's kind of, you know, the short version. But, you know, grateful to be here with my brother, you know, joined through basketball. But, uh, you know, uh, more through love. So appreciate you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, yeah, you told us what you do. I want to get a little underneath, you know, uh, underneath the surface and just talk first, you know, talk about, you know, your upbringing. I think we both can relate in a sense of uh, just growing up in a single parent um, household. And so I'm always curious to hear about people's origin stories because I feel like it's uh, impacted, you know, where you are today, right? Especially, um, you know, some of the experiences and things that you've had. So sort of talk to me a little bit about um, what it was like growing up, um, you know, um, with just mom and, 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 you know, your sisters. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think being in a single-parent household is definitely, you know, unique, but especially being a son, you know, in a single-parent household with a mother, you know, and especially, you know, with black families. So um, being with my mom was really just like, you know, it was interesting because I had little sisters as well, and I felt like the man of the house for the longest time. She's she's now moved to Charlotte, remarried, just got a baby, so mm -hmm. she don't really need me anymore. But just initially feeling responsible at a young age um, and just trying my best to kind of keep things together and, and, and help out, you know, um, specifically for my sisters. Because my mom, she, she's amazing. She played both roles, you know, better than I think a lot of two-parent family households could. But... Uh, it honestly kind of molded me and gave me responsibility early. And as opposed to treating it like um, a burden, you know, I think I kind of assess it as a blessing, you know, so to be able to, um, you know, go to school, come home and try to help her out, started working jobs early to kind of support myself yeah. so that she wouldn't have to do as much for me. Um, I think really uh, just instilled a sense of, you know, purpose in me early. You know, it's like I got to go up and I got to go get it for myself. And not only for myself, but try to help out, you know, my family and my little sister. So uh, I wouldn't have traded that experience with nothing because I feel like it, it, it made a big part of who I am today and, you know, really established my character early on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just seen the way you talk about uh, your mom and I know she's been just the instrumental part of, uh, of, who you, of who you are. What are some of the lessons, you know, that you feel like she instilled in you or values that she instilled in you early on that you feel like you still carry with you um, today? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like I said, my mom is, is awesome. Uh, and at surface level, she's, she's very chill. Like anybody mm -hmm. that meets my mom, mm -hmm. you know, we're kind of decently close in age um, compared to a lot of parents. And, 
you know, seems very just like relaxed, but she is extremely strategic and tactical in, in upbringing. Um, her children, I feel like even though she doesn't disclose it, she does have like a plan and a vision, you know, so early on just trying to put me in private schools and, you know, making sure I had access to the best opportunities. I feel like she really saw, you know, the potential and what her kids could be early and just sacrifice to make sure that that could happen um, without necessarily telling us, you know, yeah, even yeah. though I felt like I was at an age where I could understand, you know, some of the decisions she was making. But I feel like the biggest thing that I carry with me today that she kind of instilled in me is just simply being there yeah. and really making sure that her children knew she was there when they needed them the most. So anytime from a fall, you know, at the playground, rushing and having this concerned look on her face, um, I don't think she know how much that meant to, to me specifically, um, to, you know, an issue at school or playing time on the court. You know, who can you call and speak to that's going to not only understand you and be there, but give you sound advice and, um, you know, help you overcome situations. So that's one thing that I specifically appreciate for my mom. And I don't, I don't even know if I've told her this, but, you know, just being able to have somebody who is extremely reliable, you know, and I really try to do that for others, especially my sisters, but my friends too. If they need something, I want to be, you know, one of the first people they think of. It's like, who can I call and I count on? No matter the situation, no matter the time, somebody who's not going to judge, you know, even in a situation where it might be, you know, something bad, but, you know, be able to actually be in a position to help. So that's what I strive to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's real. Um, each kid is different though, right? I mean, what do you think your mom saw in you that you may not even saw in, saw in yourself that you may see now? Sorry, that's like very loaded. But yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, that is loaded. Sheesh. What do I think my mom saw in me? I'll start there. Um, I don't know. I think she always knew that I was pretty like intuitive, you know, and a little bit, you know, wise beyond my years, uh, just but from the questions I would ask her mm -hmm. um, and the things that I was interested in, you know, any, everything from old school music to, you know, just asking her questions about like what words mean early, you know? So I think she saw a kid that was like not necessarily a kid. So she didn't necessarily treat me like that unless I got in trouble because there's a lot of times where I had a lot of immature moments, you know? So I think she tried to treat me as the way I presented myself. She's like, hey, if you're able to understand this, we can have these conversations. We can, you know, we could talk about politics. We can discuss, you know, complex words and situations. And I'm going to treat you as if you have that understanding and I try to, you know, veil it or conceal it from you because of, you know, age or where society thinks you should have your understanding. Yeah, I think that that's played out, man. I just see the way you carry yourself, right? You have like this level of just, I mean, this confidence, this swagger. I feel like most people or a lot of people just don't have that self-esteem. Yeah. Um, and as a result, look to get that mm -hmm. from other things that are temporary that cannot necessarily fill them. So I feel like the fact that you had that instilled in you, even if unbeknownst to you, right, mm -hmm. um, has served you well, right? I mean, just in all the different experiences that you have. I feel like you've always been, so I'm just speaking from personal experience right now. <laughs> no, you're but, good. I mean, you just sound like you always was just like sure of yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, and honestly, first of all, thank you for that. Um, and I think, well, my name, you know, it comes from a dialect, you know, spoken in Zimbabwe and this technical definition is where we are. So it's spoken in, you know, in a phrase almost, Patiri, it's not necessarily pronounced like that, in Shona, uh, but it's just, it really means like having an understanding for where you are, or like 
God knows where we are. Um, and I guess if you translate to English, it means like insightful or, or you know, kind of um, having an understanding of placement. But I've always kind of just felt like that. And maybe it's because the way, you know, that my parents named me or prayed on me early. Mm. But, uh, you know, I definitely also credit that to the ex different experiences I was able to have. You know, I wasn't able to, I'm not able to, you know, touch on semblances and experiences that I've had with people if I didn't wasn't placed in you know, public schools in the middle of New York City, going to private schools in the Upper West Side of New York City, yeah, you know, yeah. and transition into all boys Catholic schools mm -hmm. in the middle of New Jersey, you know, and then going to a school like Wesleyan, which was different from all three of those experiences. So I think that, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed enough to have uh, a vast amount of experience and, and know a lot of different people and see different cultures. And I think that has played a big part in my confidence and really just my sociological understanding of the world and, mm -hmm. and people. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, a little bit more lighthearted question. Where did you get your humor from? <laughs> it's like, a debate. It's a debate. It's a debate. Because uh, I'm trying not to let it seep out now, but I'm, like, actually pretty corny. You know, like, I have some corny jokes sometimes. and I, it's, They it, seem to stick, though, bro. Like, I don't know. I never had – I've never experienced a moment where you, like, say something like, nah, P, that one didn't work. Like, uh, you uh, typically – you. Because, you know, you say with conviction, like, uh -huh. people, you know, okay. but if you really yeah. take back, if you go back to your room and be like, what did he just say? Like, you'll be like, damn, this, he might be a little corny. But, yeah. uh, no, it's, it's it's a combination of my mom and my dad. I think that I used early on, I used to think it was my dad because he's extremely energetic um, and just like, you know, he'll go out on a whim to say something. But my mom is pretty, like, witty, yeah. you know, and she, she, I think I get a lot of my sense of humor from her. Gotcha. You know? All right. Um. Who exposed you to the game? You know we got to talk about basketball. Oh, got like, to talk Because that is, you know, instrumental. Um, yeah, who put, I mean, who put you on? I mean, obviously, like, you know, you told me that your mom, you know. Yeah. Did she, did she, did she, she play? Played, she played. She played, played, too, she right? played K, K State. Um, recruited pretty heavily uh, back when it was the Big Eight. Mm. So my mom, you know, just a beast basketball player. But she never really, like, pushed it on me. You know how a lot of parents are like, yo, I want my kid to achieve everything I didn't, or I want you to have the same experience. And she was like, "You whatever you like, go do, and I'll be supportive." And that's that's another thing that I really like appreciate. Like you never should push, you know, your own agenda on your children. You know, so I naturally fell into the game. I think partly because I grew six inches one summer. You know what I mean? So it helped that like you know I was tall and like decently athletic. So I was like, we should just go with this. You know. Yeah. So once I realized yeah. like I have potential, like then I think my passion started to develop. Okay. Uh, you know, probably around like, you know, eighth grade, I, I played varsity basketball in middle school mm -hmm. for, for my high school team. And I was like, okay, well, I'm equally as passionate as I am an opportunist, you know, so how far can we take this? Mm -hmm. You know, so that's when I started to get serious and really started to try to like, you know, use the craft to really permeate spaces and, and get me indoors and, you know, Offer me opportunities. Mm -hmm. And you did New Heights too, right? Played for hey, New Heights. Yeah. Played for New Heights. So I originally played for Riverside at first. Okay. So, you know, still in the city. Um, played for Riverside Church. Met a lot of friends um, through there too that I was able to kind of, you know, merge worlds. I'm going to a private middle school, predominantly white students, and playing AU basketball with, you know, kids from all over New York that are predominantly, you know, black and Latino. So, you know, kind of seeing both sides of the track. Yeah. Um, was an awesome experience for me. So, and then I was able to go to New Heights and that program truly changed my life. So after I went left Riverside, 
Uh, I was able to travel the country, get recruited by a bunch of schools, Wesleyan included, mm-hmm. um, for free. They offer SAT prep, you know, similar to to this program here. Um, and I think that New Heights is honestly a better supportive program than they were a basketball program, at least for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just in terms of the academics and, and mentorship and the help. Um, and they actually helped me land an internship at Bloomberg. So, uh, you know, that's a big reason why I do stuff like this, because I recognize how important it is to, you know, give credit and be involved with programs who could really help to shift your life. I feel like that was truly um, a major stepping stone in, in my path. You know, without that internship, without New Heights helping provide it, um, really, I don't like my life could have went another direction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I didn't even know New Heights, like, did other things outside of just basketball. Like I remember just playing against them at, on the AAU circuit. Yeah, um, I mean, what are some of the th- what are some of I mean, you said SAT prep, like what yeah. is mentorship? Like what else do they do? Yeah, yeah. So uh they do uh like a summer session. I, I wasn't necessarily involved with summer session just because, you know, I had other stuff going on. But, you know, for like eight weeks during the summer, they'll have kids come in and spend the whole day with them. They'll do a lot of basketball stuff, but also, you know, workshops and leadership classes and take them on trips and things like that, just try to give them that cultural experience as well. So, uh, and, you know, you got a group of people, coaches and administrators included that really care about the students, you know what I mean? So uh, even my coaches, you know, just picking me up for practice sometimes, dropping me off, you know, just the little stuff that truly makes a difference. Not just, yo, meet me here at this gym, we're going to go through this workout and let's go win some games, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it was was much more than that. Obviously, we wanted to win, um, but... It's truly a family, mm. a family experience. Yeah, yeah, and that culture. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, just hooping and, like, be, even being recruited. Like, was Wesleyan, I don't know, I mean, I know you were, like, it was Ivy Leagues at mm-hmm. some point, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, when did Wesleyan come into play? Um, like, was being a student athlete, like, was that something that was on your mind? Or, like, you yeah. were looking to go to the league? Like, what Like what sort of bring yeah. me back to – Young Pateri at 17. Like 17? We- 17. High school, junior year. Um, yeah, I think the league was probably on my mind. Mm-hmm. Was it a little unrealistic? Maybe if I really <laughs> looked at the statistics and, you know, my my statistics yeah. <laughs> most specifically. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, I always had – I just think of vision early, just like how do I leverage this game to get me mm-hmm. into the best experience possible. And – I was getting recruited by a bunch of schools. I, some Ivy interests had an offer from Army. So it's like, if I want to go to school for free, I could do that. But also I have to serve, you know, yeah. so that had its own like little caveat that I was apprehensive about. But uh, West came into the picture along with some other NESCAC schools. And and I didn't know what a liberal arts school was. Like at 17 years old, you know, being at a, at a good high school already, I was like, is this a place where we're going to have to draw pictures? Like, I legitimately thought, like, liberal arts, that's what it meant. Um, But it was honestly the visit during West Fest that that really changed my perspective. Um, Just being... It was a feel that I got. Mm -hmm. So staying on campus with people like, you know, Rashid and uh, Shasha Brown, being able to speak to him and, you know, me and people like Jack Mackey that that, that had that... uh, that mentorship, like, I'm here to help other people behind me perspective early, you know, yeah. even though they, their situations weren't even that good yet, you know, at school necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just being around somebody who 
And really, it was Jack. Like, it was a convo I had with Jack right before I left. He was like, yo, listen, I don't care if you come here or you don't. Like, it is what you make of it. You know what I mean? And he kept it a bean with me. And I'm like, I got to be at a place like this. You know, somewhere where, forget the basketball. We're going to win games. We're going to lose games. Whatever happens, I need to be around a group of people uh, and young men that are going to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know? And they don't yeah. know me from Adam. You right. know? But for him to do that... That was like a defining moment outside of the fun I had at the parties right. and, you know, being like, okay, well, I could play here. And Coach Riley, you know, he, he's a good coach and a good father. Um, that really was the deciding factor. So, and, and obviously going back to the point of being able to leverage basketball to get into a school, I don't know if I was able to get into Wesleyan even with all straight A's in high no. school. You know what I mean? Just because it's so hard. They yeah, had like a 20% acceptance rate and also seeing that they were ranked like top 25 colleges in the country mm -hmm. i was like this is what this is about like being able to get myself into a great academic institution um and i didn't know what it was going to do for me at the time but it's like let's use hoops to do that you right know? so right yeah shout out jack i mean i think um to have someone that early on you know to give you that perspective but the real perspective i think that's the same thing the same feeling that i had too like yeah. i was looking at other places but I remember going on that visit and beyond killing you on the court. Yeah, um, we have, you know, to have another segment for that. Right. We have to have another segment for that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but beyond that, man, you're right, bro, about the feeling. Like, it did feel like a brotherhood and just uh, you knew that this was a space where you could become yourself, you know? Um, yeah. 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 No, for sure. That's a great point. Like, where can you become yourself mm -hmm. as you're trying to figure it out? You know, so it's like, you know, you have a somewhat idea. And I, I think you, you're very similar to me in the sense that you had that maturity, you know, at a young age. Mm -hmm. And people could see that. And the only reason you know is because it reflected off what people are telling you. Like, oh, wow, Jordy, you know, you carry yourself yeah. really well. Yeah. You yeah. are, you know, really mature. Mm -hmm. Like, you mm -hmm. know, um, but you're still discovering who you are. You know, you're trying to become a man without necessarily having that male figure, you know what I mean? Or just pulling from that mentorship and that advisory from a bunch of different places right. as opposed to directly from your father. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's a huge part of it too. It's like, it's, it's self-discovery mm -hmm. and you need to be in a place that's going to allow you to do that. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about that. Just mentorship. Right. I think, um, one, obviously we know that it's important. I think too, sometimes people can, lose out on the ability to be mentored by somebody else because maybe they not they don't look like them or mm -hmm. they may not have had the same experiences mm -hmm. as them maybe just at face value maybe talk about some mentors that you have had who may not have looked that looked like you but have had an instrumental sort of mm. um or played an instrumental role in, in your in your life and in your journey yeah um Specifically, people who don't look like me, my my high school and my college coach. Yeah, you know, and it, sometimes it's hard. You know, it's like okay, well, we we don't necessarily come from the same path. You know, at least that's what you think when mm -hmm. you when you see a white coach. And Billy Armstrong um, from Bergen Catholic, you know, he's still a head coach. He's completely, you know, transformed that program. I think he was one of the first people who was like, okay, even though I don't feel like I could relate to you as much on a personal level. Um, you have been an instrumental figure in my life because 
you show me how to be a man, really. Like, yeah. how do you live your life? Like, those are the things that I remember. I don't remember the V cuts and the L cuts and, you know, the sidelines out of bounds plays. But I remember him saying specific things like, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. You know, so it's like from how you make your bed up in the morning to how you slice your, you know, your peanut butter sandwich. Mm-hmm. That's the way you're going to play. That's the way you're going to work. That's the way you're going to be a father. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think those things resonated with me more than anything else. And it was like, OK, well, I can relate to this man because not only is he successful, you know, in terms of becoming a man himself, you know, having his own business, being a high school coach. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he really cared. You know, he was really trying to help us with life. And the same thing with Coach Riley. I think I, I really admired Coach Riley's, you know, the way he was able to kind of be a father, you know, not necessarily to his to his students and, you know, his players, but to his four kids, you know, and he would tell us early. He's like, listen, I always wanted to be a father. And we always look at each other like, what are you talking about, yeah, bro? Like, yeah. you knew early you wanted to be a dad? And he used to really tell us that. And I was like, you know, that's something that I could admire mm-hmm. um, because he's a great dad. And he and, and it came through in the way that, that he taught us. He was really trying to teach us how to be men and prepare us for life more, more than anything. So I think those two people... Um, you know, someone now, you know, really good friends of mine and, and people who, uh, you know, believed in me and I was able to look up to, even though we don't necessarily look alike. Yeah. I think it's the example that they set too, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you having the open mind to have that relational need met mm-hmm. regardless, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, that's a good point. Like you do have to be receptive to it. Like some people are like, you automatically put up an X because... I don't know if it's trust issues or, yeah. or what it is. You know, you're upbringing, like, mm-hmm. you know, some people are taught, like, don't trust nobody. Nobody has your best interest. So mm-hmm. it's hard. You do have to be vulnerable sometimes to even accept that and then, you know, apply it. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, trying to figure out where I want to transition. Let's go to your career a little bit. I want to know, like, why... I mean, I'm interested, like, why finance? I remember I had a chance to, I don't remember when this was. Maybe it was my sophomore year. I remember I came to Bloomberg and, like, you showed me around mm-hmm. and um, just talked to me about what supply chain management even is, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I know New Heights helped you, you know, in terms of getting that internship. Like, why why finance? Yeah. Um, what was supply chain management? What were some of the things that you learned mm-hmm. in doing that role? Yeah, I think once, you know, I had the bright realization I wasn't going to the NBA. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, what's, what's next? Um, but, yeah, I always had an interest in business. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't have a business school, so, you know, tried a couple of econ classes in school. Um, and then, obviously, was afforded the opportunity to do the internship. But I, I was able to look at business from, you know, even a sports perspective, looking at these athletes who play these careers, you know, and even the best players in the world, like LeBron James, you know, and Kobe Bryant, what are they doing during their career and post their career that's really setting them up? And Mm -hmm. that's being involved in business. So just with that basic mindset, just kind of led me down that path. Like, you know, whether it meant trying to be a sports agent or, you know, business marketing, I just knew it had to have some type of business focus because I feel like that's what really, you know, makes the world go round. You know, it's like, how is money made? How are deals being done? Um, and how people setting themselves up from a business perspective. So 
getting to Bloomberg, you know, having this opportunity, I didn't know much about the firm. I just knew it was extremely reputable. Yeah. They were paying good mm -hmm. and it was going to be a great opportunity. So I said, hey, we don't know much. One, we got to get in. Two, we got to go learn as much as we can. And three, we have to build connections so that we can leverage this new experience to figure out what the next step is in another space where I might not have understanding. Right. You know? Right. So went into that and, you know, I tell people this all the time. It's like the Bloomberg Terminal is our core product. Right. Mm -hmm. So not working there anymore. So was my core product. Yeah. Um, and I thought the terminal was like legit a place that you walk through. I'm like Port Authority Terminal, like like Grand Central Terminal. Like what? What is this thing? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like yeah. getting into a space and not really understanding what it is that they're selling. How do they make money? Mm -hmm. You know, but obviously now I know, you know, from asking a bunch of questions yeah. and, you know, not being afraid to ask those questions and really learning, I was able to learn what the terminal is and how is the products are shipped across the world. So that's essentially what supply chain is. It's, it's at its core logistics. How is something bought? AKA sourced, you know, what type of agreement goes in to make sure that a vendor is set up, um, what contracts are in place, how much are we buying, at what rates, are we getting discounts for buying in bulk, um, to how is it taken from that manufacturer mm -hmm. and shipped to your clients. And they could be internal. And in a case like Bloomberg, you have both internal and external. So, you know, anything from our keyboards that come in 27 different languages to, you know, PCs to, flat screens, monitors, biometric fingerprint scanners to help people log into, you know, their proprietary, um, you know, terminal. So I learned a lot through that supply chain experience. And, and the an analogy I like to use is, you know, if you don't understand PCs and, you know, financial products, you know, like an iPhone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who makes the camera on the front of your screen? You know, who puts the wires in or the microchips or, you know, the tiny processor or the glass, you know, all of those products, you know, come from a bunch of different vendors are put together. And then how is that then shipped to your pocket? You know what I mean? So supply chain is really that whole process. And, you know, forever grateful for that opportunity to get, you know, exposure to a business, but also really able to learn an industry. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's hard starting out because... People are asking you, even during your internship interview, what experience do you have? What do you know? And sometimes all you have is, yo, I've been a basketball coach and a big brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and I got a mall job at Abercrombie. But I think it's important to first be able to understand the skills that you learn in those jobs, being able to express that to your employer and apply it to something that you might not have the best understanding. But then it helps when you get the opportunity and you actually learn something. And now I have even more experience understanding to then apply and show to the next, you right, know, employer right. opportunity. And that's how I got to Alliance Bernstein because I go from middle office, still business related, to now I'm front office, you know, as a sales trader with clients, you know, working on Wall Street. And some people might consider something like that, like an unorthodox jump. But again, you know, taking the things that I've learned and the experiences that I've had, not only through my work, but also the additional stuff I was doing, you know, you know, being involved with different junior boards, putting together my own, you know, event where I'm inviting professional athletes and financial uh, advisors and portfolio managers to sit on panels. I, I did like a uh, athletes, entrepreneurs and investors event at Bloomberg right before I left. Mm. Um, but the culmination of all of that, you know, being able to leverage 
the name brand and being passionate and motivated enough to build connections and put together my own stuff, relating that to get in my next role and now being, you know, front office, more finance focused, not just selling the product, but actually being revenue based, you know, like trying to expose myself to where the real money is made and, and being at on the front line. So yeah. uh, I think that going back to where my original thought was, I was just like business. It was very general and I didn't necessarily understand where it was going to lead me, but I just tried to take those core principles and apply them to every situation I'm in. And I'm going to do the same thing when we sit together five, yep. 10 years from now and I'm at the next role where it's like, I didn't know what, you know, uh, collateralized mortgage obligations were and now I'm, you know, executive at a firm where we specialize in them. You know, something like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it's going to lead into, but, you know, I just think that taking those core principles and morals has set me up this far. I got to continue. Yeah. I hear the importance of advocacy. I hear the importance of asking questions, being curious. I also hear um, collecting the dots, right, and connecting them mm. as well. Mm. I think, like, I don't know why you talking. Like, I feel like just a spark was just going off the entire time you speaking because I'm like, bro, like, people can miss out on these experiences that they're having because they may be looking at them with the wrong mindset and the wrong pers wrong perspective. And if you don't see, damn, if you just don't see, like, there's just value in everything that yeah. you that you that you have done, yeah. right? Um, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know what value you got from being a model at Abercrombie, but I'm sure, that, like, bro, yeah. the way that you marketed <laughs> and advertised it, like, you were able to speak upon it, right? Not having any prior experience, yeah. Um, going to Bloomberg, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a, that's a big part of it, being able to market, advertise it. How do you talk about what you've done and make it relatable? Sometimes the employers don't know, mm -hmm. but sometimes they do. They just wait for you to say it, you know? So, I mean, obviously, you you got your core skills and prerequisites that employees look for, hard work, teamwork, ability, right. you know, et cetera. Uh, but just more generally, I think that I'm, I'm an opportunist, and I don't mean that in like a selfish you know, way I'm not trying to look for something to get from somebody else. Um, I think it's it also comes from just a symbiotic relationship that you have with people that you meet and places that you work and communities that you're involved with. Where it's like, not only am I trying to absorb all the value I can get from this situation, so that I can help myself, but I'm also trying to give value too. And I think a lot of that is coming from having the confidence, understanding that you are worthy as a person, no matter what experience you've had. You have something that you can give somebody, mm -hmm. you know, and if mm -hmm. you lead selflessly and try to really open yourself up to support other people, I think just naturally sometimes things just happen for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. I just try to enter every space with that understanding. I don't care if, um, you know, if it's some of the programs I'm working with, casual conversations I'm having with people that I meet um, or real life internships at Bloomberg, like I'm always treating it as how can this lead me to an opportunity? Right. And I think that once you have that mentality, like let's take advantage of every space I'm in, you know, every person's hand that I shake and really try to add value to their life. You know, you don't know what's going to come from, you know, them and being able to help you. And I feel mm -hmm. like leading with that mentality has helped me a lot. I mean, there's a level of intentionality with that, yeah. right? Like in everything that you're doing. Um, I got so many different directions I want to take this, bro. Ahead, like, no, nah, because it's too. It's gonna take us. All right, I'm gonna go. You talked about uh, 
adding value to others, right? Not only, you know, um, receiving it, but also giving it back. I want you to talk about some of the experiences that you've had um, or, or that you've been a part of to add value to others, whether it's been on the, on the board, the junior boards that you've served mm -hmm. on, even the event that you and Caleb and Jack um, did during COVID, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, just talk to us about some of those experiences, um, those in, in particular, or any others that you got. Yeah, well, I think, you know, primarily, like, I f don't feel like anything in this, any of this stuff is happening to me, you know? I almost feel sometimes like it's happening for me so I can give back to other people. And even something as simple as getting into Wesleyan, you know what I mean? It's like, how do I make sure that I'm here to give other people the scoop, you know, on what the school is like and, you know, the potential that, you know, you could have here and the experience you could have, you know? So when somebody like you comes to visit, right. I'm able to deliver that, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I feel like I almost have to be in these spaces so I'm able to give the scoop, you know? So I, I say that to say, I take that same mentality to the junior boards and the, the uh, community service that I do. So I'm involved with three different junior boards. One is Read Ahead Inc. Uh, we help elementary schools and, and middle school students um, in New York City with reading to kids, you know, so we treat it like a, a mentorship program. It is not a literacy program. It's really truly a mentorship um, and a social and emotional learning type of program. Um, so I read to a kid every other Friday, but I also serve on a junior board. I'm on New Heights Emerging Leaders Council, naturally as an alum, mm -hmm. um, you know, where I help from a fiduciary responsibility and event planning, fundraising, et cetera. Um, and then HEAF, Harlem Educational Activities Fund, where I'm nominated chair uh, on their associate board. And I also do similar stuff like tutoring and fundraising and just really trying to be a connector to help other people get involved. You know, people like us that, you know, have plenty of experience, maybe not so much direction, and but want to help. You know, so I just try to be a plug. Um, so I think it's, all those things are extremely important. Um, and I might have to kind of dial it back a little bit because sometimes you get kind of, you know, Spread too thin a little Spread bit. too thin, for sure. Um, and I think it's important to really try to have a lot of impact, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes in, in in less organizations, but with more impact. Right, quantity versus quality, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I think the, um, thank God I was able to pair up with good people like Caleb, mm -hmm. Jack, Rashid, um, and BJ. Uh, last year, when we all put our heads together, like, yo, we have plenty of connections, friends, and really just great spirits to do something. What can we do, especially during um, COVID, mm -hmm. to help, to show people that they're, you know, one, let's give hope, um, be good energy and, and good people to be around, but also like let's leverage all the different, extremely different experiences we've had to kind of bring something together and help. So we, we said, hey, you know, we got some guys from Connecticut. We got some guys from New York. Um, what can we do? We say, yo, we got enough firepower to help two organizations. So we picked um, an organization based out of Harlem um, and an organization based out of Connecticut, a, a soup kitchen. And we actually went physically to soup kitchen and were able to package and help deliver meals to those in need. Uh, but I think more importantly than being there physically, we, were, we raised like over $13,000 for these organizations. So um, I think that's just the power of, you know, having good people around you, but also recognizing like, you know, hey, let's take a step back and let's let's see how we can help other people, um, especially during a time like this to, to really um, 
give 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 some light, you know, mm-hmm. like in a time when it's needed. So I'm I'm just extremely thankful to my bros who helped me put something like this together. Um, and you know, even when you work with other organizations, when you have that support, mm-hmm. we say, hey, P, you know, do what you can, you know, give what you can, and help when you can, you know. And we're gonna all get together and and pitch in the best we know how. I think it makes it a lot easier. So I'm blessed to have people like that around me that allow me to do a bunch of different things mm-hmm. and help a bunch of different people with a bunch of different causes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want to touch upon, I saw the, the post that you put out a, a minute ago or a couple of months ago um, after you got your MBA mm. and just reflecting on those three years, right? Uh, working, going to school part-time, um, doing all the amazing things that you have done, right? And I think, especially when you have an accomplishment like that, I think it's naturally for you, like, it's natural for you to be reflective. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, yeah, I mean, I guess I want to talk about just how you've navigated, like, one of the buzzwords that we hear now, right, is imposter syndrome, you know? Mm-hmm. And you were one of the youngest in that program, mm-hmm. um, yet you still prevailed, Right. And now, you know, being a black male on Wall Street, mm-hmm. um, still doing your thing. Like, how have you sort of combated the imposter syndrome, remained true to you? And also, like like you said, man, it's all about adding value to others as well. So right. not being so caught up in, like, you know, what's going on with me, but, like, right. still having that mindset. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And we could talk about the IG captions first, yeah. I guess. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that... That was an important post to me. Um, You know, I kind of always envisioned, I had to envision the finish line because that was a grind, you know, going to school part-time and working full-time, being involved with programs, you know, training. I remember right in the end leg, I'm training for the half marathon, trying to raise money, but I got to go to class Mm -hmm. and I got to go to work, you know? So um, I think it was definitely like a lot, but um, dealing with imposter syndrome, like, um, well, I guess I'll finish talking about the, the Instagram stuff. So I, I just felt like I had to be vulnerable in my caption. Like, it, it, it can't be surface level. Right. You know, I don't want to just put an IG uh, Drake caption up, you know, something that's just, like, catchy. You know, I feel like sometimes people really need to see experiences to really be like, oh, well, maybe I could relate to that. Or even, hey, I could go do that. Right. You know, I wanted right. to just people just to understand more parts of me. I feel like I'm not always, like, trying to be public with my accomplishments, you know. So, but that's not always a good thing. I think sometimes people need to hear and see it. So I was like, let me use this as an opportunity to really like, if you didn't know before, this is what I have been doing. And, you know, you can follow me on my journey to try to achieve what I'm trying to achieve. Um, but, it, you know, like you said, it's, it's definitely been some parts along the way where it's like you question yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and because of demographics such as age, you know, being the youngest person in our program, I go and get my MBA in a program where they're trying to take people to have five to seven years of experience. And I've only been working for one year. You know what I mean? Um, Not a whole lot of black students, you know? So I don't want to call it predominantly white institution, but you know, when, when you don't see a lot of people who look like you, that's how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, You have moments where it's like, am I good enough to be here? Like, should I continue doing this? You know, cause it, it definitely gets challenging. So, um, I think that's something that we all struggle with. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the higher up you go, unfortunately, 
the harder it really is to combat it. Because I think some of my scariest imposter syndrome moments are happening right now. You know what I mean? So you have to remain confident. You got to have the right support group around you. Mm -hmm. I think mentorship becomes even more important, you know, when you get to those spaces. Um, Really just believing that you are here for a reason and you have something to provide. You have to always remember and be reflective on your experiences to understand that you have value, you know, not only in your space, but on this earth. You know what I mean? I think people really need to hone into that and really do some more self-reflection to figure out what specifically that is so that they can be more confident in giving that out. And the problem is, it's not always extremely linear or relatable to what they're, they're doing. You know, so... Sorry. No, no, no. That, that, so let me break that down. So I think, especially for black students and kids, we have this innate, like, social and emotional intelligence, you know, that we don't necessarily know how to bring that to a place like a firm you know, whether it's consulting, you know, finance or being a lawyer, I think all of those skills are extremely important and can be used as a foundation to teach you the technical stuff that you need to know for a role. You know what I mean? So even if it's just that, you know, just being able to relate to people, have a conversation, you know, be respectful and professional, even if it's just that, that is useful. You know what I mean? And whatever experience you've had as a, as a kid or a student can be used at an organization that's never seen somebody like you. You know what I mean? But it's mm-hmm. so hard when you've never processed a ticket, shipped a computer, or done a trade. Right, you know? right. But see, what I will add to that, though, is that when you're in sort of white, dominant culture and, like, these professions, you're sort of conditioned, or you feel conditioned not to bring that experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you, you end up conforming to what is currently, you know, like what that standard is. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and, or it's, you can, it's a possibility that you end up conforming because it's, you, look, you're, you right. look, you look differently when you bring your full unapologetic self. Right. And then you use the word unapologetic and a synonymous with that is the word on your shirt. Mm-hmm. You, you got to be unashamed. Mm-hmm. You got to be unashamed of the experience you had. And even if they don't even relate to it. Yeah. Or they might look at you weird for sharing your stories or trying to, when everybody's talking about how their weekend was and yours is so much different than everybody else's, mm. um, you don't have to share it. But if you do, do it unapologetically, be unashamed about it because y- your weekend, your value yeah. has just as much as some, somebody else's, you know, because you're valuable as a person, as a human being. And I think we need to be constantly reminded and you just have to be extremely confident in the face of, uh, not only adversity, but just difference. Yeah. Confident in the face of difference. Like, yeah. you know, I think that's yeah. important. I think, yeah. I mean, we have a privilege though, man, just because of the fact that like we've been lent or we've had, we've been able to have different experiences, right? Going to mm-hmm. private school, all stuff like that. So like, I don't, I just think that like it's helped us in a way to be a little bit more comfortable navigating those spaces because we've been exposed to different. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And, that, and that, you, you, we talked about this before, the way you get the conference from, I think it comes from a multitude, you know, a variety of experiences. Yeah. Um, so you, 
your question is probably like, what about the kid who doesn't? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that brings this full circle, just like that's why programs like this exist, you know, so that they're able to bring students in. Programs like this need support and funding so that they can provide the kid who doesn't have experience with the experience so that when they get to the space that they're in, they have that confidence because, mm-hmm. hey, yo, I went on a trip, you know, uh, to the museum yeah. or whatever, or I was able to shadow because I was, you know, working in a program that JB was at and he showed me these things. Mm-hmm. And now I do know what's going on. Mm. I do have a little bit of understanding and I'm able to leverage that little bit and help me to get in a space where I can learn a lot. You know, so that's why I give back. That's why I support because I recognize, and you do too, the understanding of being able to provide students and young kids with experiences and exposure. Right. It's extremely important. That's Mm -hmm. where the confidence comes from. Mm -hmm. That's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't aspire to something that you don't necessarily like see. That's, that's so true. You know, you gotta, you gotta see it to believe it for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I got other questions, but oh man. No, this is so good, bro. This is so good. Um, I literally have scrapped everything that I've had in this uh it just happened naturally, so this is no, that's no, good. This is lit. This um is lit. what questions have haven't I asked that you want me to ask? Damn, now that's the, probably the most loaded question you asked me today, because you know, I'm expecting you to just, you know, hit me with stuff. Uh, what have you not asked? Um you ask about um we talked about you coming up in a single household, but just like, I think motivation is a big part of it. So maybe, and I really started by thinking about my sisters and I kind of flipped it back uh, to motivation, mm-hmm. but like what, what motivates me? Okay. What motivates me? Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's really like, it's not only a drive to help people who I see you know, that come from similar experiences, but just my family. You know what I mean? Like, what good is doing all of this for, you know, I don't want to call them random students, but people who aren't as close to me naturally, you know, or have the same blood as me and not help the people underneath me. So I do have seven younger sisters, you know, between my mother and my father. And I wake up every day with just a a motivation to get as high as I can, you know, so that I'm able to help them as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, trying monetarily. to become president right. or monetarily or be in terms of status. Right. I, like, I had to scrap that ideology ideology early because I was like, okay, I need to be like a CEO of a company or whatever. But I really just want to be obviously financially stable, um, but just in a position where I am connected enough, right, where if they come to me with something, not only... Have I, you know, maybe went through a similar experience, but if I can't help you, I know somebody who can. You know what I mean? Because I think that's extremely important. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, especially when you have a seven sisters who have a variety of interests um, in doing different things. You know, I have a sister who's a professional athlete. You know what I mean? But she's calling me, asking me about how to invest in, you know, stocks and things like that. I have a sister who doesn't necessarily want to go the traditional track of going to school. She wants to do, you know, makeup and be an eyelash technician. You know, it's like, okay. Well, who do I know that I could help, you know, so that you, if you don't already have, you know, yeah, yeah, a position like I can refer you to somebody who's willing off the strength of our relationship to take, you know, you and maybe show you a couple of things, give you tidbits or, you know, give you a class Mm -hmm. or teach you, you know, whatever the case might be. Or I have a sister who's in college right now playing volleyball who 
is interested in doing, you know, sports marketing and wants to maybe work for the NBA or the NFL. It's like, okay, well, what connections do I have where I can help you, you know, get there? So I think that's a huge part of it. Um, I really just want to make sure I'm continuing to set myself up for success so that not only do they have those connections via me, but they they're able to look at me and see me as a role model and somebody who is responsible and helping themselves so that they can they can help others. So yeah. I just really try to make sure that I'm setting the right example for my little sisters. That's that's truly like my motivation. I think hmm. I mean so I got so many thoughts. I always be processing, bro. But uh <laughs> nah man, like I, I don't I guess the word, the right word is like nepotism almost, mm-hmm. right? Like in terms of like being able to like you know, you see it, man. Like a lot of times people just end up getting jobs just off the strength of like the connection and stuff that they yeah. have to that person, not necessarily like what they have to do. Right. Um, I think that's just a different way. Like, I don't know, like just growing up, just had these mindsets, these poverty sort of mindsets, like mm-hmm. in terms of like it, this, whatever we have is ending with us. Right. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily like building like that, that legacy. Um, and like you said, it's not just like, you know, not just like the financial stability, but making sure that we have like a network of, you know, a strong network of people that like, if we need something, like if we don't have it, like we know where to go mm-hmm. to to get it. For sure. I think that's extremely important. And we have the wrong stigma around it. Mm. I want to, you know, take advantage of all the nepotism, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's around me. And I want, you know, students in programs like these little siblings that we have Mm -hmm. and generations to come to be able to take advantage of the things that we had access to and able to take it a level further. So I think, you know, generationally that's, that's really the purpose, like to take it a step further so that you can give it back. Right. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. Right. If you got a family member who runs a company, by all means go work for Mm -hmm. them. Cause that's what everybody else be doing. You know what I mean? (laughs) Go learn something, you know, and treat it like you don't even know the person, like you don't have a fallback. You know what I mean? Um, and we definitely need to connect more, you know, especially as like a black culture. I feel like we could definitely do a better job of, of kind of joining hands and helping each other out, you know, cause we're so kind of, we hold things real tight to the chest sometimes mm-hmm. because we I, str- feel like, I struggle and to get here. So like, you need to fit, you need to figure it out. Figure it as out. Well, you know I mean? where it's like, there's plenty of opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's so much, there's so much opportunity out here. Um, that you don't have to be like, you know, shelter with it. Like, feel like, hey, if I let you in, you know, what's going to happen to my spot? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and a lot of that, we can have a whole nother, uh, you know, segment about know. the conditioning of it. And the, uh, you know, the, the sociological um, determinants of that mentality. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, we just need to be more open and understand like, hey, it's enough. It's enough room for everybody to go get it. And the time is now, you know, we just have to be in those spaces. There's plenty of, you know, corporations or um, organizations that need people like you, mm-hmm. whoever it is. They, they need you. They just don't know you out there and you don't know they out there either. So that's why, you know, you got great men like yourself doing the work to make sure that, you know, people are in the right positions. And we have great men like you bridging the gap, too, and exposing people to what they didn't even know. Yeah. You know? Gotta do your part. Yes, sir. 
All right, this is the Mad Minute segment, so it's rapid fire <laughs> questions. Um, you saw them ahead of time, and I'm scrapping them. I'm not even going with all of them. I'm about to do off the dome. Well, some of them are. Um, I just saw the first one, and I'm like, we're not going to get past that one. No, we have to. We have to. We have to. If you to. say what, no. about, what I think you're about to say, you know what I'm we're going to be here But for... we're on the same page, though. Right. We, we've been talking about this. That's why we bond, because, of, all right, LeBron <laughs> or MJ? For me, it's Braun, bro. Yeah. This, is, that, is that what you thought I was going to ask? That's 100%. That was the first okay. thing I, I didn't All look right. past that. I'll be okay. honest. I don't even see the rest of the Mad Minutes because, okay. like, this might take a mad hour. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> go and ahead. Go ahead. This this one is crazy to me because I did see The Last Dance, mm -hmm. and I try to, when I judge things, I try to take, you know, a holistic perspective because I, I think the problem with a lot of people is we're so opinionated in our little bubble yeah. that you can't yeah. see outside perspectives. But this one, I've actually taken time to, like, you know, think about. Mm -hmm. And I think, unfortunately, we'll always be divided because there is a generational, you know, division. Like, people are biased based off of, you know, where you sit, where yeah. you stand. You know, it's like, yo, class of 2017 is better than 18, 19. You know what I mean? You're always going to feel like that because that's the position you was in. Um, but for me, it's been LeBron because born in Cleveland, that's mm -hmm. where the most of my extended family is. So, naturally, when he got drafted by Cleveland, like, you know, I had to reform. And luckily so, you know, the best player on the planet, like, I was very fortunate to have somebody like that on our squad that right. I have an excuse to root for. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I guess I'm biased too because it's a basketball argument, but I, I really just love LeBron. It's just like a person, like a, a businessman, a father, and a, a mentor, and a philanthropist. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, like, that's my guy. You know what I mean? Like, he he honestly resembles a lot of the things that I'm, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to achieve, to yeah. you know, so yeah. outside of him, you know, having the greatest finals performance ever, you know, he's just, a, he's just a great dude. So I won't get into the, to the, more the politics, yeah, more the politics and yeah. the PPG and the assist mm -hmm. per game and how he's going to, you know, end up being the leading scorer ever as, you know, as that being his second best thing that he does, you know, I won't, don't want to touch on those things. But uh, for me, it's, it's going to be LeBron. I'm with, I mean, I'm with you. You don't got to convince me yeah. on it. Like, I mean, I think the reason no, I'm why... I'm ready for the haters. I'm yeah, ready you already haters. know. You're yeah, in a weird... It's, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs> nah, but um, it's the same for me. This is the Mad Men and I'm still in it. But I got to, like, I got to co-sign on yeah, what you're saying. Ahead, nah, I just think, man, like, so much of the work he does off the court is, like, I'm like, bruh, like, it's hard not to like him. Like, Jordan, I don't... I mean, I don't know what he was... Um, I mean, maybe I just because I didn't grow up watching him play. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that I'll do is wear his shoes. Right. Um, but like, um, but man, those, those J's right there. Uh, <laughs> those the threes you got on my man. <laughs> oh, my chest hurts. Oh, got a crap, bro. This is what we talk about. I can't take you seriously. We had such an interview. Office. <laughs> you zoomed in on the on the shoes. Nah, the buckle ups is crazy. Oh, I'm done with you. I'm done with you, P. Um, I'm not adding anything that you haven't already said. I'm curious though. Have you ever seen LeBron? Have you seen him play? I met LeBron. You bro. met LeBron? I met LeBron probably when I was like uh, maybe eight or nine. You know, I had an opportunity to go to the Gund Arena at the time mm -hmm. and and watch him play. And I met him after the game. And you know, it's a field thing. You know, even being that young, like the fact that he was willing to take a picture and yeah. it was like, you know, just being a cool dude. You know, mm -hmm. so that was an amazing experience for me. Just you know, first of all, seeing his stature, you know, like in person, especially back then. Yeah. Dude is a monster. Like he is one of the biggest people I've ever seen just yeah. in terms of like, you know, his shoulder width, everything. So um, that was just a crazy experience for me. And I, and I hope to meet him again, you know, now from my new level of understanding and where I'm at, you know, let's, mm -hmm. let's sit out, let's have a conversation. Like, you know, 
Spring Hill, hit me up. You right, know what I mean? Right, like, right. Whatever. Clutch Sports. If you, if you, yeah, if you need somebody, we might be, able to, all might be able to <laughs> tap in. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, I hope that wasn't the, the last time I run into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know the answer to this already. Uh, favorite favorite artist? J. Cole, bro. It's a, like, really? I don't even have to hesitate. Really? You, you thought I thought Future, right? I did. You I thought you were going to say Future. Yeah. We always had a special time in our life. Uh-huh. And, and if anybody remembers the Civic riding around Wesleyan campus in Middletown, Connecticut, <laughs> there was only one thing alive. coming out. We couldn't we couldn't do Joe, right. J. Cole drive-bys like that. Like, right, right. And by drive-bys, I mean, you know, going to practice and back to the cafeteria. Um, Thank you for, for clarifying. Yeah, right? you know, so... Um, but no, nah, that was a moment. Mm-hmm. That was a moment. Like, Future, like, it was a huge part of my college career. Same thing with, you know, Drake. I think it's just, we talk about this all the time. Just, like, the nostalgia associated with moments even makes you think that, you know, a song or a moment is classic. You know, and I feel like it's the same thing for MJ versus LeBron fans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, because you got married at the time MJ was winning the championship, that's always going to be the most special mm. period of your life, you know, or whatever was happening right. um, during those times. So... It was definitely special, bro. We 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 had to get the future bumping because, you know, you could win some games with J. Cole, but like future really going to get you a Nescat mm-hmm. chip. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But you didn't, wait, did you tell me why J. Cole? J. Cole, just because you know, same thing. I just I mess with how he is as a person. Like, yeah. he just brought himself to a track, and I feel like I was able to relate to him the most. Once I discovered who he was, it took me. My friend had to recommend me a song, and I was like, yo. First of all, I messed with this Erica Badu sample. Mm. You know, I was like, is that Didn't You Know right. on, a, on a rap song? You know, so then I actually got into it. I was like, I got to go back and like really listen to this dude. Mm-hmm. And Friday Night Lights, the mixtape, it was like the hunger and the drive and the curiosity that he expressed. It was like, this is me, bro. Yeah. Like, this is me. This is what's going to carry me through. Like, to, to know that it's somebody else, you know, that's kind of lost but is willing to go out on a limb and try to figure it out, I can relate to that. And that's why he's always been, you know, my favorite rapper. Yeah. Most memorable moment as an athlete? Sheesh, man. It's got to be on the free throw line versus Amherst um, to win our first NESCAC championship. Uh, It was my sophomore year. Had a lot of ups and downs this season, you know, just in terms of the whole team did. Mm -hmm. You know we ranked six going into the playoffs, right? We got to go up to Bates and play an undefeated team on their home court, you know? Um, undefeated on their home court at their place. Mm-hmm. Beat them in the semis or beat them in the, you know, the first round. Go to Trinity. Right. Got to play the number one seed on their home floor. Had a good game that game. Got the game-winning rebound, you know? And then it was we about to play Amherst, who's one of the league championship two times in a row or maybe three times before that. Yeah. So it was just a moment for everybody because everybody was involved on the team. It was right before you got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and went overtime and catch the inbound pass and I go to the line. And knowing how this game is going, we up three. Yeah. We up three points. They could get the ball and they could cash a, yep. a, a three-quarter quarter. <laughs> And it just has snipers like that. Right, exactly. Yep. So we just needed one free throw, bro. And I'm at the line. I'm like, well, you know, nothing really matters. Like, however, the season with the times I didn't play, the great times I did have, like, this is the moment, you know. And I feel like, not that it was necessarily defining, but it was the most memorable because it's like, okay, this is, I never really 
I didn't start a lot that year, but I'm about to finish this. You know what I mean? So um, I had to knock it down, hit a free throw to seal it, put us up four, and we won our first league chip, and the rest was, you know, just honestly, I feel like almost my life has been, like, sort of blissful since then, you know, just because those are my brothers. You know, I was able to have a, a defining experience with them, and, you know, one, we all doing good, you know, post-basketball, but it's just like to be able to put a ring on your finger and be like, hey, we did something that nobody, no team has ever accomplished in school history was just an amazing moment, man. So I I, I got to give it to, um, I got to give my most memorable moment to that. Yeah. Wow. Um, hey, I don't want this to end. All right. But anyways, all right. Last two questions that we give every uh, speaker on the, on the, on the podcast. Um, what advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? 16. So we went to 17, now we're at the 16. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I guess I got to say this because it's you sitting here. And I know, you know, this we go through some of the same struggles, you know, trying to figure it out and achieve. But just don't get caught up in the minutia. Mm. You know, I don't... I think that I would have a lot less worry. You know, I think I, I spent so many time, like nights and I would be at every practice like my life depends on this. Every game, like if I don't make this shot, like I'm not going to get into the school or like worry about what won't happen, you know? Hmm. Um, and some of that is good. You know, that means that you're motivated and you care. But some of it is kind of hindering like where you almost do better in free flowing states, you know, where you feel like, it don't really matter. You know, a lot of people play better when they're not thinking, you know, or, you know, the same way at work. It's just like, yo, don't think too much. Don't worry about it. Things are going to work out for you as long as you know that you're putting your best foot forward and you're working as hard as you can. Um, that stuff is going to work out. So I think some of that comes from just having faith, you know, having faith, not being so concerned about the minutia so that you don't hold yourself back from achieving. So I think that, not that I wish things would have went differently at all. I think, everything's supposed to happen the way it is, but just, like, I would have had less stress. You know, like, mm -hmm. why am I stressed as a 16-year-old? I should just be going out there having fun. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what I would tell myself. I think it would have put me at ease a little bit more. Great answer. Um, you answered this already, but I think it would be a good way to still just close it off. Um, but what's your why? Yeah, I mean, you should have told me you had this question before I gave myself know, a question. I know, I <laughs> know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, on on top of what I already said about just trying to put myself in the best position to help my sisters, like, mm -hmm. you know, I eventually want to be in a position where, like, my mom don't have to work, you know? Yeah. Even though she don't necessarily need me, you know what I mean? But I want to be able to try to give back to her, you know, you know some of the things that she gave to me, the opportunity and freedom and access to do whatever she wants, you know? Yeah. Like, don't have to worry about a job, you know? Just go live your life, mm -hmm. you know? So... I think about that a lot. I think about my sisters a lot. And I really just, you know, my why is truly just, it's independent of myself. I just really want to be a vessel, man. I just want to be a vessel to show people that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve. You know what I mean? And I think I get extremely motivated from external motivations other than self-achievement. I think we all, you know, have specific goals and things that we want to do for ourselves, but I feel like a lot of my motivation comes from how can this benefit others? And if I get to a place but I wasn't able to give back or help somebody else, 
it was really like meaningless, mm-hmm. you know? So that's what I wake up and think every morning when I get up at five o'clock or I work out at 4 a.m., you know, s- some days. Uh, like, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, let's be an example. Let's get ourselves to a place that we can bring other people up with us. So that's what I really think about. Or Appreciate you, boy. My God. Uh, Come here, bro. Uh, Love you, boy. Love you too, bro. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you too. Yep. Woo. It's good.